Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I was reading this week and someone wrote these words, most of us are waiting for life to get easier. Life doesn't get easier. Successful people learn to handle hard better. Make yourself a person that handles hard well, not someone who's waiting for the easy. If you have a meaningful pursuit in life, it will never be easy. So true. Another wrote, I'd rather live a life of oh wells than what ifs. If it don't work out now, I'll trust God for his timing in the matter. Joseph waited 13 years, Abraham 25, Moses 40, Jesus 30. If if God has us waiting today, we're in good company. We can trust him. God knows where we're at and what he's doing. God can take us from waiting on it, his purpose, his plan to unfold, to walking in it. That's what God wants us to do. And the time will come when you'll go from one day to day one. This is where and when and how I began again. I began anew. We've been talking about Ezra and Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the temple and then the walls around the city of Jerusalem. And those two books of the Bible are written to illustrate to us that no matter how much time passes in our lives, no matter how many challenges or difficulties, even disappointments we face, there's a God in heaven who's on His throne, who is working on our behalf, and we can trust Him in all things, with all things. God wants us to rest in Him in this hour. I'm someone who's prone to be anxious, some of you are just like that. And I, I'm ready to get things done. I would love to have it all done yesterday. I want to move forward. I'm amazed at the things that God is teaching me through the waiting that we have faced in so many areas of not only life, but ministry and serving the Lord together these years. I don't want those lessons that God wants me to learn during these years to be wasted. I want God to not only teach me, but through me, I want Him to teach others. That's what God wants us to be reminded of. 91 years from the beginning of the captivity to the completing of the rebuilt temple in 515 B.C. 91 years passed. Think about it, 70 years of captivity, And then 21 years before the temple was rebuilt, Ezra took some 2,000 Jews 57 years later in 458 B.C. to help with the temple ministry. 14 years after that in 444 B.C., Nehemiah went to rebuild the walls and to rededicate the people. Nehemiah was a layman. We think that it's got to be someone different than me apart from me, more qualified, more experienced, with the right credentials 
Nehemiah was a layman, the king's cupbearer. I want to tell you, God can use anyone. God can use you. God can use me. There's a God in heaven who wants to show himself strong to us that he might show himself strong through us. There are some things that we cannot do. Last Sunday we talked about how they were working on the wall and then there was so much rubbish and debris there that the strength of the bearers of the burdens was decayed and they said, we are not able to do this work. And they were not. But what they could not do, they realized their God could. Eight times they were driven to prayer. They sought the face of God and God heard their cry and gave them strength, gave them grace, even when needed the grit to just bear up under and get the job done that God had given them to do. Life won't always be easy. In fact, I thought it would be. I thought it'd get easier and easier the older I got. Less complicated. It's more complex than it's ever been. I'm facing challenges now that I didn't know existed. And yet here I am. I'm not alone. I'm not abandoned by God. God is with me. God is for me. God is working on my behalf. And I believe as God used Nehemiah, God can use you and me yet with all the troubles and trials we face, with all the years that have passed, sometimes we think, well, if we didn't get it done by this year or by this stage or season of life, surely our life is just about to time out and we just won't get it done at all. Be careful there. And let's be reminded this morning that as long as there is life, there is hope. There's always hope in the Lord no matter what we face. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 1. Be reminded that his name means the Lord comforts. I think one of the great trials of life, especially in mine, is this time of waiting. When you see the need and you want to do something about it, you have to trust God not only sees the need and will do something about it, but he has a timing. I think it's interesting here that this was a day of reproach for God's people. And I want us to be reminded of that. Some of us, were living that right now. And uh, we think that this will be the defining moment of our lives, the defining moment of our church or our city or our nation. We think that it's going to be nothing but perpetual reproach. But I want to tell you, and you'll see it here in the Scriptures this morning, that God can take us as His children from reproach to rejoicing. Boy, I tell you, is that possible? It's one thing to say, oh yeah, praise the Lord. I believe that. But some of us, I believe this too to where you're at the point. Is that even possible at all? It may be possible for others, but is it possible yet for me? Nehemiah chapter 1, we read in verse 3, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great Affliction and reproach. Underline that. Great affliction and reproach. I think it's amazing you see this theme repeated in chapter 2 and verse 17. Then said I unto them, Ye see 
the distress that we are in. You see this, the affliction, the adversity, this hard, very difficult place, even impossible in ourselves. I think of what we read in chapter 5 and verse 9. As Nehemiah addressed the elders and the leaders there in the land, he said, it is not good that ye do. Ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the heathen of our enemies? Don't you know that people around us are watching? Is our God real? Does He make a difference in our lives? Does it affect how we treat one another? He said, they're watching and they're looking right now with an air of scorn and reproach. <laughs> Look at their city. <laughs> Where is their God if He is a God? He said, don't you realize what's at stake here? I think of this, notice in chapter 6 and verse 13, this opposition that came and the threats, the intimidation. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so in sin, and they, that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. He said there were those who were working against me because they wanted to scoff and scorn, not only more so, but with a more legitimate type platform. Hey, this is what he did. I mean, he, we got him off the wall. We talked him out of it. He was tired and discouraged. He gave up. We threatened him and we intimidated him long enough that he finally gave up. I thought about it. If you study this, you'll remember that there was all kind of opposition as they stood up to do the work that God had given them to do. And uh, in chapter 4, the Bible says that ten times people came and said unto them that you're going to be attacked from every angle ten times. I mean, they're trying to intimidate them, worry them, and wear them down. And then, if you'll remember, into chapter 6, they sent to Nehemiah, the Bible says here, four times. It's amazing. They just kept coming, chapter 6 and verse 4, uh, telling him to come, come off the wall and stop a minute, take a break, get some rest, come and let's talk about this thing. They tried to talk him out of it four times. They said, hey, are you coming? No, I'm not coming. Hey, go back and tell him, are you coming? They're waiting on you. Try to put pressure on him. I'll tell you, if you're going to do what God's giving you to do, you're going to have to die to self. And you're going to have to die to what others say and what others think. One of the great crosses I've had to carry. He thought of himself of no reputation. Really, Lord? In following you, you mean that I'm going to have to carry that cross too? No reputation? What I had was ripped from me? Yes. Remember Joseph? Remember that? Vilified. Falsely accused. Oh my. We don't know what we'll face. We don't know what we'll have to bear in doing what God has given us to do. Be careful, friend. We're going to have to die to that. Lord, what others say, what others think, however they feel about me, 
you know, we're all human, right? We want to be well-received, well-liked, well-loved. Sometimes that's not what's going on in our lives circumstantially. What are we going to do in those times? We're going to have to humble ourselves before the Lord and know that though others may not know our heart, God does. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters is am I trying to do right before the Lord? Truly this is a grief, Jeremiah said, and I must bear it. Well, there have been times when I've had to bear things. I'm thinking, wow, where did this come from? Why this? No, that's not me. That's not true. That's not so. Certain things I couldn't address or, or deal with openly, I had to just give it to God. I had to commit myself to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rest in you in all of this, Lord. My record is on high. But I like what chapter 6 and verse 15 says, So the wall was finished. In the 20 and 5th month of the, or day of the month of Eliel, that would be September, in 50 in two days, think about it, 10 times they came with their threats. Four times they said, come down off the wall, let's talk about this. Every way they could to try to get them to stop. But 52 times they got up every morning and went to work and did what God gave them to do with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. You know what the key to victory is in each of our lives? It's being more committed to finishing what God has given us to do than the adversaries, the enemies of the Lord are committed to stopping us. After a while, they'll give up. After a while, they'll move on to someone else. And this too shall pass. This trouble, this trial, this scorn, the work is before us, the job that God has given us to do. Don't lose sight of the Lord. Remember, that's what Nehemiah said. Hey, remember the Lord. Don't forget who He is and what He's done for us. Let's trust Him in this. Let's humble ourselves before the great God of heaven. And you know what? You can see that in chapter 4, and I hope you'll underline that in verse 14. Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible. He's mighty. He's awesome. He's beyond description. It says, remember the Lord and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Take heart today, friend. We're in a battle. The battle is raging. Sometimes you're going to get hit from an angle you did not expect. Caught off guard. I mean, wow. Where did that come from? We all have blind spots. That's one reason we should encourage one another, pray for one another. We just don't know what any of us will face along life's way. Not only from week to week, Sunday to Sunday, but from day to day. We don't know that. But in the midst of all of those things, we've got to remember the Lord. We've got to humble ourselves before Him. And remember, when we're in the midst of the battle, remember why we started out in the battle. It was for the glory of God and the good of our loved ones. It was for the work of God. God is still God. Your loved ones still need you to fight for them. And so does the work of God need someone who will stand, someone who will continue, someone who will persevere. 
Oh, I think about how God is still seeking for men and women who are willing to sacrifice to do His will for His glory and the good of others, willing to bear reproach, trial, setback, pain, disappointment. But in the midst of that, come down to the side of saying, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to believe God and keep going. Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. Lord, my life is in Your hands. It's Yours to control. Guide me, Lord. Help me not to take myself out of the place of faith and obedience. Help me not to be as a bird that wandereth from his nest and then is devoured. Help me just to stand fast and stay faithful to do your will. They faced so many of these challenges. And I think about the challenge before them as different ones are facing challenges in this hour. We had Majesty Music with us recently. And Shelley Hamilton has told and testified here and then also online of the great trial and challenge of dealing with her husband Ron's dementia. And they're trying to help him and work with him and, and yet there's so many things involved in that. She wrote something about diamonds recently and in one paragraph she wrote, a life once born into God's family is a rough diamond. God is the skilled diamond cutter. The process of becoming a polished diamond is accomplished under pressure, heat, and cutting. A rough diamond that is transformed into a stone of beauty and value can only be mastered by the skilled hands of a loving God. How many times have I told our church family, especially before going into surgery, if you've never had to go into surgery, you don't know how important it is to be reminded of this. Hey, we're in the Lord's hands. Many times I would look at one of our church members and I'd pray with them. I'd say, listen, you're in the best place you can be today. And they're like, well, yeah, the doctors are good, the hospital's good. Yeah, all that's important. But the very best place you can be you're in the Lord's hands. Isn't that right? We're in the Lord's hands today. Now, what's amazing to me is, see, remember this. What made the difference here? Oh, you see the trouble, the trial. You see all the difficulty, the disappointment that they faced. But look back in chapter 1. Remember what Nehemiah declared in verse 4? The Bible says they mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. There it is. That's the difference maker. It's the Lord. Think about this. It says in verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. Lord, we have a heart for you. Lord, we want to please you and honor you with our lives. We take great delight in honoring you and lifting you up. And prosper us. Move us forward, Lord, I pray. Thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. I mean, I was so valued <laughs> that if someone tried to poison the king, I took the fall. And then they would just get somebody else to replace me. I wasn't that valuable to this earthly king that I was serving. 
but I was very valuable to my heavenly king. Sometimes life's going to feel that way. (laughs) My life doesn't seem to mean that much to others. I wanted it to mean more to them. They mean a lot to me. I don't think I mean as much to them, it seems, as they do to me. When you go down that path, just be reminded, you mean everything to your heavenly king. Your life's not expendable. You're not nothing or no one before him. There's value in your life. Jesus valued you so that he gave his life for yours. What a great God we're serving. See, the God, he said, Lord, we're asking you to prosper us, you to move us forward, you to help us, dear God. We cannot do all of this in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own power. Lord, we need you. You know what? God heard that cry. And we see in chapter 2, verse 4, he says again, so I prayed to the God of heaven when the king asked him, what do you need? Lord, put in my heart what to say here, what to answer him. And, and God did just that. He told him of the good hand of his God that was upon him in verse 8. And then in verse 12, he says that he went, he arose in the night and to survey the ruins there. He said, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. It was the Lord that made all the difference in his life, not only for him, but for the people. And then we read it again in verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. God is with me. God is in this thing. This is God's will. God is leading us to do this. Let's believe God and act in faith. And they answered, let us rise up and build. And in verse 20, Nehemiah said to them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Friend, I want to tell you, that's all you need. At the end of the day, That's all you need at the beginning of the day and throughout as well as the end. Hey, is God with me? The Bible says, I am for you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, what does it matter who's against us? If God be for us, who will prevail ultimately in the end? God will on behalf of his children We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We can take heart this morning. Our God is faithful. He will not fail us. Oh, I'll tell you, the rubbish is great sometimes. The strength is little. The weariness sets in, and then we begin to wonder, even waver. Are we going to do this or not? Are we going to keep going or not? Well, it's in that time that God wants us to remember him who he is, what he has done, he will do. They accounted him faithful, Hebrews 11 says. By faith they accounted that God was faithful. God was trustworthy. The fault there is, it all adds up. I can draw from the bank of God's promises and I know that I'll not have a bad check. There will always be the funds there to draw from. I am counting on God to be who he is has been, and will be. I'm counting on God's promises that they never fail. And by His grace and with the assurance of His Word, I'm just going to get back up and keep going. That's what I'm going to do. You know, if you turn over to chapter 12, 
A lot of things transpired here, but just to see this thought, this theme, they went from reproach to rejoicing. And I like chapter 12 and verse 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. There it is. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. I like that. Don't you underline that? The joy of Jerusalem. I would think about our city there, the joy of Monroe. Is this a good place to live and raise your family? Or is this a place that's just going to give in to darkness and division and hopelessness? Is this a place you got to get away from because there's so much grief here and sadness? Oh, no. Not when you got an Nehemiah in your midst and a people who will join with him and say, hey, let's do what God has given us to do. Yeah, we see the challenge. Yeah, we see the need. But we also see the prospect of what God can do if we'll be willing to trust him. Oh, he's refining us. He's cutting us. He's molding us. He's making us in this fiery furnace of affliction. But he will never forsake us. He'll never forget us. He said, I will not forget thee. Others may forget you, but others, others, though they forget, I will never forget you. Why? Because I've written you in the palm of my hand. Isn't that amazing? This is the God of heaven, the God that we're serving, the God that we can count on. Oh, I pray that God would give us faith and we'll say, hey, let's be salt, let's be light. Let's be a place of joy and victory and rejoicing about who God is and the prospect of our city going forward. This is not the time to just curse God and die. This is not the time to curse the darkness. This is the time to light a candle, to not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Can you imagine what God will do for a believing people? And believing people are people of action. For faith without works is dead. We're going to act upon the promise of God. We're going to rise up and build and do what God has given us to do. We're going to rise and shine the light of hope that pulls people together, that doesn't drive people apart, that actually gives a fresh vision an outlook on a bright new tomorrow. That's what Ezra and Nehemiah is all about. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you face, what's happened in your life, what you've done, what you like about your life or you don't like about your life, no matter what, that doesn't limit your God. God is just looking for availability. Are you willing you talk about the unconscious preparation of God. I just taken renewed interest in reading about Abraham Lincoln. And I read this, and you perhaps have read about his challenges in life, born in 1809, 1816 at age seven, forced to work because his family was expelled. 1818, at the age of nine, he lost his mother age of 19, he lost his sister. At 22, he opened his first business and went bankrupt. At 23, he stood in the legislative elections and lost. At 24, he borrowed money to open another business, and it went bankrupt as well. 
At 26, he met a wonderful woman, falls in love, got engaged, and then she died. 1836, at 27, he entered a dark period of life, deep depression, remains bedridden for six consecutive months, but he gets up. In 1836, still at age 27, he runs into legislative elections, but yet loses again. 1840, at 31, he presented himself as an elector. He loses. 1842, at 33, he met a woman whom he fell in love with, got engaged, got married. She gives him four children, and they lose three of them. At age 34, he appeared at the Congresses and lost. Age 36, appeared the same place and lost again. At age 41, a son died. Age 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. Age 47, he ran for vice president, didn't even get 100 votes. At age 49, he ran again for the Senate and lost again. In 1860, at age 51, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. Elected for two terms. In 1865, at 56, he was assassinated, yet remains one of the most respected and impactful presidents in the history of our country. I wonder all the disappointments and setbacks and troubles and trials that are in so many of our lives, if we deal with them in faith, how God is going to use them in those years of unconscious preparation. I didn't know what God would have for me. I didn't know how God would use me. I didn't know what door God would open for me. But I've heard men who've been in ministry for years say things like, the thing I'm doing now, God has been preparing me for all of my life. Think about it. What is God preparing you for? I've learned this lesson. When I've grown weary and almost lost heart, that's when I lost sight of the Lord. The fact that He still had a purpose for my life. It seemed like I was going nowhere, gaining no ground, even losing ground, going backwards, digging a hole, and going to bury myself in it, it seemed. And it's in those moments I had to stop and be reminded. The times that God has moved me forward in life is when I had the conviction in my heart that whatever I've taken on, whatever water, however many hits from all angles even at times, how many storms, the perfect storms I faced, there's a God in heaven who's still at work in my life and I have a reason for being here yet. So I just got to get back up and keep going. And finish what God has given me to do because I don't know the work that God has been preparing me for may still yet be ahead or God may be preparing me to put things in motion so others can do things far beyond I ever prayed for. Do we believe that today? Do you believe God can use you to make a difference? You say, well, no, not me. Not what I faced. Not what I've been through. Not how I failed. Friend, I want to tell you, there's no one without fault there's no one who's above in every way reproach. We all have a past. Don't you thank God with the blood of Jesus Christ? Because of Jesus Christ, 
we have a future. That's what I want to live in view of. What will God do yet in my life? I don't want to curse the darkness. I don't want to curse God and die. I want to take hold of his promise and say, Lord, I believe you. In the midst of this storm, like Paul did there on that vessel in Acts 27, in the midst of the storm, he got alone, spent time with God, and God said, all right, stay with the ship and you'll all be saved. And he got out of the prayer time with the Lord and told the men, said, fellas, God said, stay with the ship. If we'll stay with the ship and believe what God has said, we'll all be spared and preserved. I believe God. Do you believe God today? Do you believe God can take you and use your life to make a difference, to make an impact for your family, for this church, for this city? Let's, let's, yeah, the nation, yes, but the city, the city. Let's start here. This is our Jerusalem. Can God use you? God can. You say, well, listen, I'm going to have to start all over in some areas of my life. That's, that's all right. Isn't it wonderful that God allows for that? That's the God we're serving. He, he's not looking like, well, you did this, well, you've been there, and well, God doesn't look at us that way. One has said, when Jesus was on the cross, God looked upon him and saw us. Now when God sees us and looks upon us, he sees Jesus. The righteousness of his dear son. Isn't that wonderful? That means as long as I'm here, God's got a reason and a purpose for my life. I want to find what that is and fulfill it with my whole heart. Because I want to tell you, when you feel like your life is aimless, boy, that's when discouragement really takes its toll. And some of us, that's maybe what we need from the Lord is just fresh direction, fresh hope, Lord. I see the reproach in my life or in my circumstance or in my past or whatever it may be. I'm just going to give that to you, Lord, because I know you can take me from reproach to rejoicing. Not only can I rejoice, but my loved ones can rejoice, and so can our whole city. There was joy in Jerusalem, and they heard about it, both near and far. Oh, may there be a testimony of God's victory in our midst. Others are looking. What will they see in us? The God of grace and glory. Or a people who have lost heart and just go through the motions. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.